until after the baby pictures. Just wanted you to know that. You're still much a man, brother. Thought that would be very helpful to him. Sure. How many of you guys would have hated to see your baby pictures up on the wall? And mom going, isn't that cute? Yeah, but I, I probably Alex was going, mom. Um, graduation. How many of you remember that? I got to tell you, it's kind of a dim memory. You know, it's a... Uh, I told somebody this morning about the only thing I remember was was the walking out part of graduation. I don't remember much else. Throwing our hats in the air. being Having this sense that um, the horrible ordeal of high school was over. Not realizing that in afterthought it would be some of the most beautiful times of my life. But, you know, uh, we do that all through life, don't we? We come to a place where we we're changing gears in life and we're ending something and something else is going to begin. But the truth is that we don't ever really do that. I mean, I graduated from high school and I got about my life. I went to college for a while and got jobs, got married, did all the things that people do. But I never stopped being a student. And I never want to stop being a student. There's so much to know about this beautiful place that God has given me to live. About my place in God's creation. Why am I here? What is this purpose for me? And I think um, very early in life, most of us begin to think about those questions. Why am I here? Why did God create me and place me in this world? What is the purpose of it all? What does anything have to do with anything? Um, when I was in high school, uh, there were some heavy questions that were being asked, and society and the church weren't interested in, in dealing with the questions. Um, we were starting to be taught evolution in high school, uh, which was disconcerting for our parents, because my parents were Christian. Some of you probably remember this. Um, and the church didn't like to answer, didn't want to deal with the question. It was... Uh, you shouldn't even talk about that. It's, you know, a, that's, it's sacrilegious to even talk about. Say the word evolution is sacrilegious. Well, I had to deal with that issue. I had to deal with a lot of issues that people didn't like to talk about. And so will you graduating seniors. You're going to see you're at a place in life where you're beginning to change the way you live your life, because prior to this place, prior to this point, it's a, it's a graduating 
line. It's not something, there's not a clear demarcation where suddenly you're on one side of it and then suddenly you're on the other side. But there is a, there's a, a thing happening in your life where you are gradually being called on to make your own decisions. You have to decide what's important in your life. Uh, you have to decide what you're going to do with your life. Um, it's funny, I heard a couple of the guys go, I'm not sure, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then she was going, this is what I'm doing. I got these two things and I'm charging ahead. Truth is, for both cases, they really don't know what they're doing. Just like you and I don't know what we're doing tomorrow. We can have plans. We can make good plans and we should make good plans. But life can mess up your plans. Um, the very best that you can do, you can have life completely disrupt your plans and you end up going in directions that you never would have conceived could possibly be your future and you find yourself there. The best that any of us can do for you is try to prepare you for the eventuality of life's surprises. Because you will be surprised in life. Some of them will be good surprises. <laughs> maybe, maybe you will be blessed way beyond what you deserve. And you will find a maiden life that just makes your life amazing. I did that. Boy, was I ever blessed. But some people don't do that. They don't find the person who makes their life. They find something else. Or maybe, maybe you'll... We were talking about this morning, Mark was mentioning this in Sunday school, about a pro football player won the Heisman Trophy in 19... 46, was it, did you say? What was it, Mark? Not 1961. Won the Heisman Trophy. Graduated out of college. Was drafted by Cleveland Browns. Pro football. The next year, he died of leukemia. Great plans. But life. See, the truth is that the best advice I can ever give anybody when you're in your place in life is there is one preparation you can make that you will find will be the most advantageous, smartest decision that you ever make. And that's to trust the Lord Jesus Christ with your life. You make this decision. It has to be a decision of your will. Nobody else will be able to make it for you. There's not a chance anybody else can do anything that will affect your eternal life except for you. And I know what some will be thinking. Same thing 
Mr. Davis was thinking, the gentleman who won the trophy, the Eisman Trophy, I've got time. Maybe you will. Some of us did. 52 years after my graduation, I'm still here. Made a lot of stupid decisions. Took a long time to make the right decision. But God blessed me with enough time so that I did make the right decision. Trust me when I tell you the greatest decision you'll make is early in life to trust the Lord with your life. You'll save yourself a lot of grief and hardships if you do that. Not because your life will be wonderful from then on. But what will happen is you will have a friend that is closer than a brother that will go through life with you. And whatever life brings you, he'll be there for you. When you get run over by life and it feels like there's no hope, he'll lift you up and he'll say, you're mine. You're my child, and I love you, and I care about you, and I'm here for you, and I will make a difference in your day. I can't tell you how many times when I didn't know if I could just make it. Anybody here remember what it's like not to be able to even fathom what life will be like without mom and dad? Some of you still have your mom and dad. I, I'm thankful for that, but both of mine are gone. And before they got sick and left this world, I really could not conceive of what life would be without mom and dad. Just, I couldn't, you know, they'll, they'll be there. They're, they're always there. No, they're not. If you live long enough, one of these days, you'll wake up that first morning and mom and dad won't be there. And you'll be the mom and dad, maybe, or the grandparent. And you'll wonder how you got there. <laughs> Trust me, I'm telling you, you think, oh, it'll just happen and I'll, I'll, no, you won't. You'll, it happens so quickly. Life passes by so quick. I'm going to preach on something in the morning that's really different for graduation Sunday. Matter of fact, I'm going to preach on something this morning that's just different for me. I don't, I don't think I've ever preached from this passage. I'm going to preach on heaven this morning. One of these days, I'm going to graduate. <laughs> I'm going to change worlds. You talk about a change. You talk about an ending and a beginning. One of these days, I'm going to a fairer land. By the way, y'all do need to get somebody new to do the graduation. She can't even talk when she comes up here. I thought she could talk all the time, but no, she comes up here. She just loses it, doesn't she? 
Wonder why she does that. Could be from having to grow up with these kids, huh? She knows them and loves them. Don't take that for granted, kids. Do you know everybody won't love you? You kind of grow up in a cocoon and you think that you're special, and you are. But you're not all that special. You'll find there are lots of people who don't care about you in life. Some of them will be people that you are surprised don't care about you. You care about them. You think they're nice people. And then you find out they don't care about you. They don't care about your hurts, your pains, the things that mom and dad cared so much about. And you miss mom and dad's caring. If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 21, one verse there, and then we're going to chapter, or I'm sorry, I think about five verses there in, Rome, in Revelation's chapter 21. We'll begin with the 10th verse, just a single verse there. Revelation chapter 21, verse 10. John is writing here. The, Revelation, the book of Revelation is, re, is written by John, John the Beloved. Um, John refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. He's, he refers to himself that way. He doesn't call himself by name. He refers to himself as John, I mean, as the disciple that Jesus loved. I don't want to bust his bubble, but I think Jesus loved all the disciples. But John, you know, thought he had a special relationship, and I think he did. But In this passage, John is writing, he's referred to, by the way, as John the Revelator. That's not exactly accurate, because it is Jesus the Revelator. John is kind of like just a transcriber. Jesus reveals and John writes it down in a letter form and sends it to us. So he's not really revealing anything. He is passing along information that the revelator, Jesus, revealed to him. But in this passage, this specific passage, John is saying that on this specific day, he is carried away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me, the Spirit did, that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. That's quite a picture. I've always wondered, uh, when you read about this city, it's a pretty, pretty good-sized place. What mountain was so high that you could get a good view of of the holy city. It's got to be a pretty high mountain, and I'm going to show you why in a minute, but here we see that John is getting a viewpoint of heaven. Drop down to verse 22. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. 
Now in this great city, the city of God, the city of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem coming down from God, John says, I got a good glimpse and something I noticed. There's no temple there. That's kind of odd, isn't it? John would have been very familiar with the temple as we are. We're familiar with the temple. Read the Bible and the New Testament and the Old Testament both have a lot to say about the temple. The temple was in Jerusalem, and it was there because God said that's where it should be. As a matter of fact, it is such a special place. It's the only place on earth that God said, I will place my name there. And it's, it's the message is conveyed, it's like God stamped his name on Jerusalem. And if you go to Jerusalem, you'll find that there is, in fact, the very geographical layout of Jerusalem would lead you to believe that God, in fact, did exactly that. He stamped his name on it. There is a letter in the Hebrew language alphabet. It's the letter sin, and it looks like a W. It's got a little mark here, then a mark in the middle, and then another mark over here. Now, I'm backwards. Let me do it this way. There's a mark over here, then there's a line here, and another line here. And that's the letter sin, S-I-N. It is the letter that is used in the Hebrew alphabet to designate the name of God. When you look at Jerusalem, if you look at the looking north on Jeru at Jerusalem, you've got the southern gate here on the south side of Jerusalem. And when you look at that, there is a valley. It's called the Valley of Cheese that runs up this way, the little valley up this side here. And then there's a valley that runs this way and another valley down the side that runs like this. And if you look at it, it looks just like that letter. When I was in, in Israel and we were sitting there at a restaurant looking at the south side of Jerusalem, our guide said, I want to show you what God meant. And he showed that to us. He pointed out to us. He gave us a map and he said, I want you to see these valleys. And it looks just like that letter in the Hebrew language which God gave to the Jews. And he says, this is where God actually stamped his name geographically on this location. And in Jerusalem, there's a temple. Why is the temple there? Well, it's a place where God said, I will abide there. I'll, I'll place, make my abode in that temple. It's the only place on earth where God said he'd do that. And if you wanted to visit God, then what you could do is you could take your donkey, your camel, or you had to walk, and you'd go to, up to Jerusalem. And they would do that every year. And they would go into the court that they could attain access to. If you were a man, you could go farther than the women could. If you weren't a Jew, if you were a Gentile, there was the Gentiles' court. You couldn't go any farther than that. And only the priests could go into the Holy of Holies. Even the holy place, only the priests could. And if you wanted to go visit God, that's where you went. But John says that it's revealed to him that in the New Jerusalem, there is no temple. Then he says, there's one thing I want to just reveal to you that's a little, 
a little unusual, but I want you to think about this, John says. In the new Jerusalem, there is no temple, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. But that's pretty interesting, isn't it? But I want you to, what does it mean? Well, first of all, if you wanted to visit with God, you had to go to a specific place. Because even though God is omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent, it's different than you want to be in His presence. Even though God is everywhere, it doesn't mean you can be in His presence because some God, God can draw away from people, right? He doesn't have to be everywhere all the time because He's omnipotent. He can do what He wants. He says, if you wanted to be close to me, what you had to do is you had to come to the temple, and that was the place where you worshipped me. Do you remember that the Jews had a problem? They wanted to worship other places, and God gave them real trouble for that because he said, no, there is a designated geographical location. You must come here to worship. And not only must you worship here, no place else, this is where you bring your sacrifices. If you want forgiveness, if you want absolvement of your sin, this is the only place you can come. But in heaven, in the New Jerusalem, we're going to be there. Let me look at it this way. Here in this earth, if we are... Visiting with God is because God can actually come and dwell in us through the Holy Spirit. Amen? He can come and indwell us. In heaven, we're going to indwell Him. I'll give you another example. A husband and a man and a wife, when they get married, they're two separate individuals. They're two people, and when they get married, they become what? One person. In heaven, the church is going to get married to Jesus. Amen? What are they going to be? One. That's the reason there's no need for a temple there, because when we get to heaven, we will be one. One with the Son, one with the Father. There'll be no more separation forever for eternity. One with the Father. What an amazing thing. Well, that's not all. Let me... Let's go in there a little bit farther. Where, what else does it mean? Yep, I didn't go past it. Let me go one page. Um, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, Jesus says this. Jesus says, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Well, in heaven, there's no temple, so there isn't a house of prayer. Matter of fact, there's no need for prayer. That's a thought, isn't it? What would you pray for there? Come on, I'm asking, what would you pray for? Lord, help me. With what? You've got everything. 
Lord, I'm not feeling too good. Oh, you've never felt better ever. It's not possible you could feel better. Lord, I'm having a down. No, it won't be any down days. Lord, my aunt's toenail is infected. No, won't be any of that. Amen. What would you pray for? There's no need for a house of prayer. Isn't that a thought? What about priests or preachers or ministers? Won't need those. Why would we ever need to be reminded about what about Jesus or what he taught? Remember Jesus in in second in 1 Corinthians uh, Chapters 11, uh, chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. You remember this is about the um, communion service. He broke the bread and then he said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance. Well, we won't need to be remembered, reminded anymore about anything, will we? Matter of fact, uh, we won't need to learn anything else. Some of the students said amen to that. No homework in heaven. No more teaching. Um, First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, Paul writes, For now we see through a glass darkly. In other words, now our view of the real meaning of life and of the relationship of God and the, with the church, all that we see, but we see it darkly. It's, it's obscured. We can't really see it well. We, we're limited. But, Paul says, then face to face. Now, I know in part but then I shall know even as I'm known. How well are you known by God? Has anybody here ever been able to keep anything from him? No. So Paul says that when we get to this place, we will know everything. Now, that sounds hard to grasp. But Paul says that we'll know even as we are known. Now, if he knows everything, I'm just taking Paul's word for it. It means we'll know everything. Everything that we'll need or want to know, we'll know. I don't know about you, but boy, I got questions. And if you don't, shame on you. You've had your mind turned off. Because I'm telling you, I got questions. I want to know stuff. You know what I would love to do? I want to go galaxy hopping. I do. I really do. I want to, you know, I can't see them very good from here. And I just want to see, you know, God made the universe. He made the universe. Why? 
He could have just poked holes in a canopy and put a light behind it, and we'd have the same thing, little bright sparkly things up there. But no, he made billions, billions, trillions, trillion of trillions of stars and suns and planets, and they're all out there. I want to go galaxy hopping. I just want to look at them. I may take me, you know, I may get tired of it. I don't know if you can get tired of anything in heaven. But I'd like to just see what's out there. I have an inquisitive mind. I would like to know a lot of things. I just want to know. The Bible says that when we get there, we'll know. There's a lot of things about my faith that I've accepted by faith, but I don't understand. I'd like to. If it's possible, I'd like to understand. Now, some things I don't think we'll ever be able to do. We'll never be able to understand the mind of God. But I want to try. I'd like to know him as well as I can know him. Amen? And heaven gives me a lease on that possibility. I'm going there one of these days. Um, James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 17, Every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James tells us that Everything good in our life comes from Him. Everything good in our life. How many of you know there are things that come into our life that aren't good? Amen? There are lots of things we could do without them. The Bible says that when we get there, there won't be anything but good. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. None of the things that really are hurtful in this life. No more broken relationships. No more saying goodbye. How many of you have said goodbye too many times? Good friends, they're gone. Never have to do that again. Parents, children, never say goodbye again. Verse 22, uh, of the, let me see. Revelations chapter 22, verse 3 makes this point, and there shall be no more curse. All the things that make our life so hard will be done away with. Now, Revelations chapter 22, verse 20, I'm sorry, 21. Yeah, 21, 23. says, And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten, and, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Did you ever think about the creation account? In creation, you remember Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 and verse 3. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. 
right? And then in verses 15, 14 and 15, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let there be let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. What did he make in chapter 1, verse 14 and 15? He made the sun and the moon. But in verses 2 and 3, he said, let there be light. There was light before the sun and the moon. Now, this is hard for us to understand. And John makes mention of that. He says that, that in this wonderful city, there's no need for a sun or a moon. And he has, he has to make that distinction for us is because we're so tied to light being this thing that emanates from the sun or is reflected from the moon. Amen? That's kind of our whole picture of light comes from that. But God wants us to understand that light exists apart from the sun. That the sun is just a creation. But God said, let there be light, and there was. John chapter 1, St. John chapter 1, gives us a little bit of a different picture of this. And it talks a little bit about the creation. But it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the dark darkness comprehended it not. Jesus is the light of the world. He preexists the sun, and apart from the sun, he's still the light. He still shines. Did you know there's no such thing as darkness? You can't measure darkness. You can measure the absence of light. You can measure light, which tells you where darkness is, but you can't measure darkness. It's like you can't measure cold. Oh, we have thermometers, but do you know what thermometers tell you? How much heat there is. Because the absence of heat is cold. There's not really any such thing as cold. There's only heat. Amen? Does that tell you anything? I love that. You know, uh, there's an age-old argument about where does evil come from? Did God create evil? No. No. Evil doesn't exist. Not in itself. It's the absence of God. When there's no God, we see evil. But it doesn't exist apart from God. God is the, dark, is the lightness that shines into the darkness and exposes the darkness for what it is. It doesn't exist apart from the light which illuminates it and says, helps us to see that there is something apart other than the light that shines. And in our lives, it's very much like that. If I said anything to the youth today, let me tell you this. When you leave your mom and dad and you step out there into the world, there is going to be a huge contest that you won't really understand or sense until it's too late. There is a contest 
for your life, and it's about light and darkness. You won't recognize it. You'll make steps, you'll make decisions that will very much impact your life. In 10 years, you'll look back and you'll say, boy, that decision made a huge difference. I wish I had chosen something else. Because that contest rages. God's light is trying to shine into lives, but we can can stop it. Because God made it possible for us to be people, be human, and have the ability to stop God's light from shining into our lives. But here, there won't be anything but light. No darkness at all. No evil. There's something else that kind of an interesting thought too. Look at verse 25. And the gates of this beautiful city shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. So that means the gates are open how much? All the time. I can remember when we lived in neighborhoods and we didn't have to lock our doors until we, we were going on vacation, be gone for two weeks, mom and dad, we'd lock the house up. But a lot of times we didn't lock our house when we'd go to church. Why? Because we weren't worried. How many of you do that now? Uh-huh. Shame on you. Don't, don't complain when they break in. Because I'm telling you, this is, a, this is a different world we live in today. Amen? I, 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 my wife is, I, you know, I love my wife, but there's some things about my wife that I wish I could change. And one of them is this. She has tunnel vision. And the reason she has that is because she's so focused on what she's thinking about. Do you know any people like this? She's going, that's what I got to do. Well, the world could be changing. I mean, there could be tornadoes, earthquakes, fires. But Dorothy's looking at this. And I say, Dorothy, when you get to a place and you're going to get out of your car and you're going into a store, don't just jump out of your car. Look around. Make sure what's happening around you before you get out of the car. Because there are mean people in the world. And you have to be careful. When you come out of a store, don't just start out across the parking lot with your keys rattling in your hand. Don't do that, Dorothy. That's called advertising. You don't want to do that. I have a a friend of ours who, this is a sad story, name was Nancy, went to a Walmart. They think what happened was she came out to her car, got in it and started it, and drove out of the parking lot and didn't get far from the store and found out she had a flat tire. And they figure what happened is that somebody she knew punctured her tire so there'd be a slow leak. And then she got out on the road and they followed her. When she got to where she had to stop because she had a flat tire, she got out, they talked her into the car, she left her car with the windows open, the car running, and they never saw her again. They found her body, but nobody knows what happened. 
I'm going to a place where that never happens again. I never have to do, deal with anything like that. Because there's evil in this world. There's no darkness there. But boy, there's darkness here. With all you're getting, graduates, let me tell you, you're still going to live in this world. You're going to have to make decisions based on the information that you gather from this world. I'm hoping you're listening to your parents and they have something important to say to you. I'm hoping you come to church and it isn't just a social setting that you're listening to the gospel and that you let God's word into your life and you take it as the gospel and you've asked the Lord to implement his word into your life, to apply it to your life so that you can be, begin to, to live a changed life. Because this world hates you and wants to destroy you. And there's only one chance you have in this world, and that's to trust the Lord Jesus. He will help you make wise decisions. Um, man. I'm... If you look at verse 27, and I'm, I'm not going to go any farther than this, there's a list of people who won't make this. It's a sad list. But I don't want to leave you, leave you there because I think everybody here knows there are people who aren't going to make it to heaven. If you believe in heaven, it's not going to be for everybody because there are people who won't choose that. But I want you to, I am going to read this in closing. Go over to chapter 22. Look at verse 17. I'm going to read a few verses here. Listen to these words. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. And then listen to this last verse, this last part of the verse. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen? You have a choice to make. You can choose to go God's way. And God says, please come. It's not God's will that any should perish. He wants everybody to come to heaven. He wants to, everybody to be with him in heaven. You have a choice to make. You're graduating from high school or from college, but you're not graduating from life. And there's some hard decisions that you need to make going forward. And I would encourage you to be careful and thoughtful about those decisions. You will get to the place where you think you're able to make all your own decisions, and you will be. You'll also be responsible for the decisions you make.
But a smart student always remembers this. You have to make decisions. Ask questions of people that you trust. Get input. Listen to those who've been there before you. They're a lot smarter than you think they are. And learn from somebody else's mistakes. Don't have to make them yourself. Amen? God has a plan for you, and his final plan is to graduate you from this world and this life into an eternal life that he has planned for you. And I want everybody to be there. Amen? I'm especially talking to our youth. My goodness, if I could do anything, it would be, please understand, this is not just a preacher talking. I just wish you would hear what God has. I wish you could understand God's heart for you, how much he loves you. He cares about you. Come in. Okay. Well, let's stand. Father, maybe I've talked too much. Maybe I've said too much. I have doubts about my own ability, and they're well-founded. But I know that your spirit can work in people's hearts and minds and lives. And that your word is true. And no matter how much a preacher may mess something up, the words of truth ring in people's hungry ears. And you apply that truth to their life. And I would pray this morning, Father, that you would you just work in the hearts and the minds of those who are here this morning. And if there are those who are making decisions, and all of us have to, but they're thinking about choosing what they'll do with their life, that, Lord, you would help them to make right decisions. Because the decision they make to trust you will, will sure take them in right places. And I just pray, Father, that you'd help each one. Lord, please, I ask in Jesus' name that you'd apply your word to our hearts and our lives. We thank you for what you'll do. Amen. God bless you. Congratulations, graduates. Proud of you guys.